Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. Now, really, the whole chapter <laughs> is my my text today. The whole chapter. It's not a very long chapter. Um, and I guess as I go through it, we will be reading most of it um, while I minister. But I would like you, after the message, to go back over it. My title is Living Above Disappointment. I want to ask you a question, indeed, as I address it to myself. Do you ever get discouraged um, to the point where you actually lose heart? And if you get to that place, can you put your finger on what causes it, this loss of heart? Is it the inner struggles that you face Day by day, we all of us have battles to fight. And sometimes we feel we're making progress, other times we feel we're not. When we step out, we find there's, there are opposing forces. And the more you want to engage with people, the more vulnerable you become to these outside attacks, perhaps, or ridicule, sometimes open hostility concerning your faith. Increasingly, in today's world, which is described in Western Europe and in the English-speaking world particularly, as a post-Christian generation. Now, a post-Christian generation is defined by its rejection of and hostility to the gospel, the Christian gospel. It's not that they've just moved on. They are actually very seriously opposed to it because in this generation where people just want to do their own thing and that is their right, you, you, the Christian church and the Bible teaching is the very thing. It's going to say, ah, ah. Your heavenly father says no. He knows what's good for you, and the answer is no. And people don't want to do that. They want to do their own thing and throw off all restraint. And that really is one of the main reasons why we have society in the state that it's in today. Everybody doing what is right in their own eyes. Sometimes we are discouraged because we're hit by negative circumstances. And it's like London buses. They don't come one at a time. They come three, four at a time. Um, now, today I want to show you how you can live above discouragement and stand on the higher ground of life and ministry in the Holy Spirit. Such a thing is possible. In fact, it's what you and I are called to to live above the negative circumstances. How do we do that? By positive thinking, no. Not by positive thinking alone, but by seeing things 
from the higher perspective of life in the Spirit and ministry in the Spirit. Now last week I began what I suspected would become a little bit of a series on off until I feel that we have dealt with it enough. And that is dealing with the blockages, the obstacles that prevent you and I from moving forward in God, in particular in response to his mission. The springboard of this was the 72-hour, three-day Three, three days, three nights, praying and fasting. And it was absolutely fantastic. It was amazing. So many people participated. Um, and I think we gained a lot of ground in the spirit, took back a lot that the enemy had stolen, reclaimed it, and took even more, spoiling more from the enemy. Now, that's not enough. It's not enough just to pray. We have to occupy the ground that we have, and, and we occupy it by action. It's a bit like the aerial forces in a, in a war. The, the air force comes in, bombs the enemy territory, and then the ground troops come in and take action. They go into action. They go into occupy. Now, we've been doing the aerial bombing. Now is the time to rise up and to take possession of the ground that we've won back and also push back the enemy's ground further and further and further. And this is by rising up and fulfilling the ministry, the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ that rests on every single one of us that not only would we become proclaimers of the Christian faith, proclaimers of the gospel, but demonstrate the gospel in our daily lives and show by what we do that what we say is real. Now, last time the blockage I looked at was the blockage of brokenness. This idea that we're all broken and we need massive healing, endless healing, perpetual healing. So the whole of our lives, all we are talking about is brokenness and, and healing, but we don't quite get there. And at the end, we have done nothing for Jesus. And we saw that the fact is we are broken, but when we turn that brokenness towards the Lord and, and turn it into dependence on him, not only do we get healed, but we're also able to be fruitful for him. Now today I want to look at the barrier of discouragement. The disappointments of life. Especially the disappointments that come when we are serious about serving God. And it can, you can come to a point where you lose heart. And I've met people not very long into the lockdown. I received a message from somebody who I respect, being a great had great connection with Kensington Temple over the years, and this person said, I have given up on church. 
And I know the particular disappointments that led to that, but that is not, now is not the time to give up. It's not the time to give up on church. It's not the time to get back to what the Bible says about church, and there's a whole lot that I've given up about church, but I've decided to change that church into what God says it should be, and then now church for me is something to be excited about. If you've given up on church, you've given up on yourself because you are the church. But there's not, now it's not the time to give up on the gospel. Not the time to give up on God. Not the time to give up on serving Jesus. So how can we learn to overcome all dis discouragement and live on the higher ground of life in the Spirit? The last few verses of this chapter say it, then we'll go back briefly throughout the rest of the chapter. Verse 16, so we're in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through to the end, verse 18. So, we do not lose heart. Now that's a pretty good positive affirmation, isn't it? We do not lose heart. How are you? We do not lose heart. And if you stood up every day and said to the Lord and declared out into the spiritual realm, I do not lose heart today. Amen, amen. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight Momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now here it is. I'm going to cut to the chase straight away. Here it is. This is the antidote to all discouragement, all disappointment in your life and in your service. Fix your eyes on the eternal, the unseen realm of the Spirit of God. Your light and momentary troubles that you go, th <coughs> go through are producing... Um, an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. It sounds like mere spiritual language. But actually, think about it. Paul is saying, and he, he is going through many, many disappointments in his life. And many, many afflictions. They're all connected to the Christian ministry. He could have so easily backed off and taken a quiet pastorate in some middle-class suburb somewhere in the ancient world. But he was deliberately putting himself in the path of danger for the sake of the gospel. And so somebody says to him, how do you do it? Well, I do it like this. I look at the unseen realm. The unseen realm is eternal. The physical realm and what we see is temporal. All this is passing away 
and what we are receiving is an eternal weight of glory which shall manifest and totally sweep into insignificance anything else that I've experienced in my life. And when you're struggling, when you're in pain, when you're in difficulty, when you're discouraged, when you're disappointed, if you fix your eyes on Jesus and you realize he is the hope of your calling, that all this is temporary and the very reason why you are going sometimes through struggles and through rejection is because you are sharing the gospel with your friends and neighbors and you want them not to perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. Don't tell me that people are moving in the love of God and never share the gospel. It's not enough, with all due respect to what we do, Eddie, in the church, we're part of that. It's it, it, loving, the love of God is not just about sharing food. It is that. But the love of God is about sharing the message of Jesus Christ, whom God is not willing that any should perish. That's why he sent his son, that none should perish, but those who believe should not perish and have everlasting life. It is all about eternity. It's all about everlasting life, friends. Because without that, we are in a lost eternity. And that life is not just happy, clappy, in the sweet by and by and all the rest of it. When we, are, when we have eternal life, we have something now that we can offer to bring transformation. Not just in our lives, but in our family and in our community. It's not just forget about earth, you're going to heaven. No, actually the Bible says heaven is actually going to come down to earth and before that happens at the return of Jesus Christ, we are called to pray every day. May your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. So this isn't some wishy-washy spirituality. And Paul was able to face his daily trials because he knew God, because he fixed his eyes on what is eternal. When you fix your eyes on what is eternal, you won't waste your time on putting money in the wrong bank or investing in the wrong physical situation. I'm not talking about money in physical banks. I'm talking about investing your life in that which is passing away. And that is something that we need. It is, it is almost like a shock treatment. Uh, many people have gone through some kind of, I don't know, mind uh, brain freeze over lockdown and they put their spiritual life on hold and they just got into bad habits and are not, not really focusing. We cannot wait until lockdown is over before we rise up and serve Jesus Christ. Today, people are in need of Jesus Christ. Today, God wants you to rise up. And so shake off your dis discouragement, shake off your disappointment, shake off anything that hinders you, put your eyes back on Jesus, and then you'll remember why you are here and what it's all about. Amen and amen. So let's go through this very briefly. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. I've got to begin there. That's the whole of chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 3. Really, having this ministry. What ministry? The glorious ministry of the Holy Spirit. When God is taking us and writing letters on people's hearts. The Spirit of God bringing transformation, life, salvation, rescue. 
When we think of our friends, what are they going through? They're going through broken marriages. They're going through all kinds of problems and issues and situations in their own life. And, and we have a message that can lift them out of their depression, lift them out of their problems, and bring them into the reality of life with God. I'm not saying if you bring Jesus in your life, you have no more problems, but I'm saying that there is a solution to all life circumstances, and it begins with being made right with God. With this glorious ministry... The ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's the gift of God's grace. And then he goes on to say, uh, you have received this glorious ministry. It's a ministry of the Spirit, transformation, freedom. That's why you don't lose heart. There's too much to be encouraged about, provided you fix your eyes on that which is unseen. That's why you're not discouraged, actually. And Paul then goes on, talks about something which is which is quite interesting, really. Verse 2, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And you think, what is this about? Well, you need to know that Paul is writing to a group of believers who have been influenced by worldly thinking and worldly preaching and worldly philosophy. Now today, it's very easy to identify uh, many, many lies that are being said about religion, about Christianity. There are people who use high-sounding, plausible arguments and, and, and deceive people. There are deceptive arguments. And uh, Paul was talking about a particular group of people that were skilled in using rhetorical arguments. And today there are many, many rhetorical arguments that are being used. Ridicule is one of them. You make somebody look ridiculous, then people aren't going to listen to them. And so there are many, many of these underhanded ways in which, we, which people put forward their version of truth, which is untruth and a lie. And Paul says, what we do is we are aware of those things, but we make sure we do not do the same. We renounce anything like this. We will not preach Christ in a manipulative way. We'll not distort the word of God. And there's a lot of that happening today. I'm not pointing the finger, but you will know yourself how that many, many places people will not preach the cross. They will not preach about heaven and hell. They will not preach about repentance. They will not preach about discipleship. And they preach perpetual ice cream messages. That's distorting the word of God. And I tell you, even more now, more than ever before. This pulpit is dedicated to passionate proclamation of the gospel, the whole gospel, the true gospel, the salvation that is in Jesus' name, that you must be born again, the blood of Jesus, and only the blood of Jesus can wash you and cleanse you. There is no other way to God other than through Jesus Christ. And we are called to a life of dedicated, disciplined discipleship. Not, oh, please come to church and fill the space. No, we are soldiers of Jesus Christ and we're overcoming discouragement as we move forward. Then Paul takes it further. 
That was verse 2, by the way, but he takes it further, verses 3 to 4. He says this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, as a believer, you recognize the reality of spiritual darkness. You recognize the reality of spiritual warfare. You see, if our gospel is hidden and people don't see it, it's because they are spiritually blind. Actually, it's worse than that. They're spiritually dead. And how does that happen? The unbelieving world is duped, blinded, and deceived by the God of this age so that they cannot see the light. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Now, what are we supposed to do with this information? I tell you what I do with it, and I tell you what I did with it this week. In having a particularly hard conversation with somebody who needs Christ, desperately needs Christ, but is hostile to the gospel, hostile to the God of the Bible. And at certain points, there's some insight, thank God. There's some progress. There's some spiritual hunger. There's some spiritual thirst, and I praise God for that because that's a sign that the Holy Spirit is working. But there comes a point where there is blindness, even to the point of being unable to see just some of the very categories of the gospel. Like that God is Lord. That like we are um, dependent on Him. That He is ultimate reality. That we are sinners and that we need to repent. The inability of this generation to have any of those concepts. And, and, and I was struggling, and I thought of this the gospel is hidden from those who are perishing. And what did I do? Did I say, oh, well, that proves it then. You know, these people are going to hell, they're perishing. I've told them all they need to know, and now it's over to them. No, 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 no. I turned to prayer. I said, God, I don't want him to perish. I don't want him to perish. I don't want anybody to perish. I don't want my unsaved friends to perish. I don't want the people in the street walking past right now to perish. But I tell you something even more important than that. God doesn't want them to perish. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to a knowledge of the truth. Amen and amen. And I can take you further than that. Not only does God not want them to perish, but God sent his son, his only son, that they would not perish. Now what more proof of love do you want? You could argue about how you got into this mess. You could point the finger of God, a finger at God and say, well, you made it. And look at the mess has happened. All right, you, you know, something's gone wrong with you. But the truth is, God is a good God. He created this world good. It was 
We who broke it and born into spiritual brokenness, born into death, born into sin, there was no hope unless God intervened. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. God doesn't want you to perish. God sent his son. And one more thing. We have the experience. We have the experience. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow, what is this? The world's in darkness. The unbelieving world is blinded by the God of this age. They are perishing. But God sent his son. Now, he's ready to send something else. He's ready to send the light of revelation so that people can see the gospel and believe the gospel. Do you know, it has to be a work of the Spirit. We cannot convince anybody. Karen was talking about somebody coming to Christ, and in my experience, eight years, it was my osteopath. Eight years. But God opened his eyes. And we, we must not give up and lose heart. And, and not everybody's going to be saved, I know that. People are going to continue to reject Christ, but it is not our responsibility. We can openly declare the gospel and we commend it to every person's conscience before God and it's over to them. But God is able to shed his light and to bring the revelation. Many, many years have gone by, I had heard the name Jesus. I was taken to church, as they said, every Sunday. Uh, the churches read the scriptures, even if the vicars were not evangelical in the sense that they could summarize the gospel in the way Billy Graham might have summarized the gospel or the way you and I might explain the gospel but the scriptures were read. They were there. There was gospel, 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 gospel. But it never penetrated my ears until one day God came in and God revealed himself to me and God showed me who Jesus was and God birthed within me a desire to become like Jesus. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. That's why we're not discouraged because God is able. And also, whatever we go through, you read all the things that Paul went through. Verse 7 and onwards. He says, I am not discouraged. I've been through all of this, but I keep on praying. I keep on preaching. I keep on proclaiming. And I believe, therefore I speak. And I will not stop speaking. And I will not stop believing. Because life is the consequence here. It's death or life. And also... He says, whatever I go through, I see it all from the higher perspective of the eternal spiritual realm. You will never have a love for souls 
if you don't have an eternal perspective. Believers, my friends, my brothers and sisters, don't be so focused on the things of this world that you take your eyes off eternal truths and eternal values. Who else is going to do it? Other religions might in their own way, but none has the essential gospel in Jesus Christ. None has a dead, a dying, but raised, resurrected Savior, the cross and resurrection. None has a substitute Savior. None has God manifested in the flesh, dying on a cross for our sins and being raised from the dead to demonstrate that Jesus is the truth. None has this. And we thank God for social workers. Bless them. We thank God for care home workers. We thank God for even humanists who do good things. Thank God for all of that. All of that's great. But only the church of Jesus Christ has the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of God and the future resurrection to eternal life, which is our eternal perspective. Wow. So we've come a long way. You say, well, all right. You're obviously preaching to, an ev to evangelists today because you are, the message seems to be saying, all right, for those who preach the gospel and live for uh, souls, don't be discouraged because God is going to move in your life and God is going to bring you through and you see it's, the struggle is worth it. And I pray that that applies to you. I pray that as you hear this message, you will realize the motivation of me preaching this message is a heart that is broken for the lost who are in bondage and blindness. That is, I, I, I think this is true, but if it's not true, I would like it certainly to be true. I think that's my biggest struggle. Struggle against powers and darkness to win souls for the gospel. And my biggest disappointments are in that area when people play fast and loose with the gospel, where people who know better ditch Christ in favor of worldly things. This is in all of us. That's my biggest struggle. Maybe. I can think of others, other struggles as well, but if that's not absolutely true of me, it's, it's where I desire to be. I pray that you also will be hearing this in the light of the gospel. All my troubles? All my troubles? Yeah, and you list all your troubles and they're not anything to do with your ministry, with the call of God upon your life in reaching out to the lost. Nothing to do with it. It's all about you, all about your needs, all about your preferences, all about your comfort. God bless our comforts. These are secondary things. Amen? But they're first things first. 
Paul said, my problems, my troubles are because God has called me to preach the gospel. Now, he had a radical, unique call as an apostle in the ancient world. Of course he did. But we follow in his footsteps as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. But having said that, whatever problem it is that you have, whether it has come about because you are seeking to serve God, or whether it's just come about because you've been hit by a, a set of negative circumstances. The answer to disappointment is the same. See life from the higher perspective of the Holy Spirit. For what you can see is temporary. It came to pass. It's going. It's only temporary. But the eternal, which your sufferings actually add weight to, in fact, an exceeding weight of glory is added to you because of what you go through, because of your pain, because of your suffering. Why? Because the devil has done it? No, because God has the final say. Christ was raised, you shall be raised. And in the meantime, we live in the victory of that. You live in the victory of that. You live in the victory mindset. And you look at your life and say, do you know what? In the big scheme of things, this isn't very important after all. And we, we, we focus on the eternal things, keep our eyes on those things. You know what? When you keep your eyes on the invisible eternal things, God keeps his eyes on the physical temporal needs of your life. Isn't that what he says? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Amen? Yes, he does. And so, how do we? How do we overcome discouragement? Maybe you today are striving for the gospel. Maybe you're feeling ineffective. Maybe you are being overcome by the deepening sense of darkness in our society. It's very hard or very easy to succumb to that. Our society is so, so far away from God and it's sliding further and further away with not enough people to stand up and stop it. Maybe you are facing personal disappointments. But remember and rejoice. Jesus Christ is alive. The gospel is still the power of God to everyone who believes. And the eternal perspective of the Holy Spirit brings you to a place where you can say, God, because of what I see with the eyes of the Spirit, I can trust you with everything else in this world as I serve you and love you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.